It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. I'll be taking your calls and texts today live on the air. Uh, I'd like to welcome those of you listening on Grace FM here in Colorado, as well as now we're syndicated on the East Coast, so that's exciting, as well as those of you listening on the East Coast, welcome. Those of you on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, welcome to the program. Uh, The number to call with your questions about the Bible or or things going on in your life, if you have a prayer request and you'd like to speak to a pastor, you can call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Ed today. Pastor Ed is out in California and I've, ho- I've hosted the show a few times now. It's uh, always a pleasure for me to get to uh, take your calls and your text messages and reply to them, and it's been a good time. So uh, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont. We meet in downtown Longmont. Uh, I've been there for coming up on five years now. Uh, I've been pastoring for uh, almost 15 years, and the first 10 years of uh, being a pastor I spent in Hungary. So if there's any Hungarians out there, just want to say, Udvizlem Benetaket, Isleepionapot Kivanuk. And if you are Hungarian and you call in, you gotta you gotta ask your question in English though. Okay. But uh those of you uh who are interested about Whitefields, we we meet in downtown Longmont, uh Sunday mornings at ten AM at the um near Roosevelt Park at what's called the Saint Vrain Memorial Building. So for those of you in the Longmont area, we'd like to invite you to come and visit us and check it out. Uh, Longmont, Firestone, uh, Frederick, that whole area there, Carbon Valley, and you know just the environs around Longmont, like Niwot. We'd love to have you come and, and visit the church and check it out. Uh, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. We also have a show here on Grace FM that airs every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. It's called Life in the Field, and those are recordings from our Sunday morning services that we we turn into a 30-minute radio program. So again, the number to call, we've got three open lines right now, it looks like. Uh, Number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And the text number is 720-336-0897. Uh, while we're waiting for those lines to fill up, I did have a few just kind of devotional thoughts that I wanted to share with you uh, while you're calling in. Recently at Whitefields, what we've been studying is the book of Exodus. So, you know, we're a Calvary Chapel church, even though um, our, we don't bear the name Calvary Chapel, but we follow the same principles and that we love the Word of God and we love evangelism. And so on Sunday mornings, we've been studying through the book of Exodus. And, you know, Exodus is a really exciting book kind of, like for the most part, it's really exciting, right? Like the first part of the book is really exciting, right? There's there's like bushes catching on fire and, um, you know, people getting, there's like genocide happening and, and then there's like rivers turn into blood and then all these plagues that happen and then the Red Sea splits in half and God leads the people out and it's just glorious and amazing and there's like water flowing out of rocks and uh, 
bread falling from heaven, you know, the manna from heaven. But then when you get to chapter 19, 20, chapter 21, and then to the end of the book, it kind of slows down a little bit. There's one really exciting scene with the golden calf, you know, and the people make the idol while Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. But besides that, the book actually slows down and the focus of it becomes on the law. So as I was looking forward to teaching through Exodus, I was kind of like, what am I going to do when I get to this section about the law? I mean, should I just kind of skim over it? Should I just skip over it? Should I teach through it verse by verse like we usually do? I wasn't exactly sure what to do. But here's what we've done. We've actually gone through it verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And I have to say that I have really loved studying the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses because uh, in it, you just see these incredible pictures of Jesus. But there's something interesting about the law when you think about it, because the whole book of Exodus, even our series, we've titled our series through Exodus, Be Set Free. And so you're studying through this whole uh, series and the whole you know, focus all the time is on this concept that just as God set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt, in the same way, God wants to, to set us free from the, the slavery and the bondage that we're in because of sin. He wants to set us free in Jesus Christ. And that's absolutely a, a legitimate theme. It's one that's carried throughout the entire Bible and into the New Testament, that the Exodus is a picture of how God wants to set us free in Jesus. But here's why it's interesting. Now think about it. So the first part of the book is all about God wants to set us free. And then you get to the law. And it's almost like God sets the people of Israel free from bondage in Egypt. But immediately after he does that, he immediately starts telling them what to do. Right? So he's like, I'm going to set you free. And then he says, now go here and do this and don't do that. And you could look at that and have the thought, well, what kind of freedom is that? What kind of freedom is freedom that says, uh, you know, I'm going to set you free from one master, but then I'm going to rule over you. And what I've loved about uh, studying the law here in the book of Exodus is actually realizing something very interesting, which I think I knew before, but it's really come alive to me. And that is that in the book of James, James refers to the law as the law that gives freedom. And what that tells us is that rather than the Ten Commandments and the law being opposed to freedom, they're actually part of the work that God is doing of setting us free. And I'm going to go on and explain that a little bit more, but we've got a caller on line one. I'm going to go ahead and take her question, and then I'll come back to this thought a little bit later on. Let's go ahead and take that call on line one. Hi, Jessica in Denver. You're live on the air. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I was calling in. I had a question. Um, I'm currently going through, um, I'm a member at Calvary Aurora, and I found out about you guys through Pastor Ed, actually through this radio station. So I'm very grateful for your for this awesome. radio station and, and the ability to call in and speak to you guys. Um, that's been a huge uh, ministry in my life. So thank you, first of all, for that. Um, and I also just had a question um I'm going through a divorce, and I have two-year-old twins, um, and my husband is Jewish, um, and I started going to temple with him as well as attending um, church at Calvary Aurora. Um, but one of the things that Nathan had mentioned to me more than once, he said that it made him really uncomfortable to go to church because 
he was taught, you know, he went to Hebrew school his entire life, and I went to private Christian schools my entire life. And he said that, you know, that that in the Old Testament it says more than once that the Messiah, you know, it, it never talks about the Messiah coming more than once, and that it says that the Messiah will only come one time in the Old Testament. And my question is, you know, I've not, I haven't been able to find that in the Old Testament, but how can I answer that question without it turning into, it seems like any time I try and would talk to him about it, you know, it, it seemed to turn into like a, a really uncomfortable conversation because, you know, obviously Jesus separates, you know, he and I in our belief. That's the only thing that does, I feel like. Um, and I, I just, I'm not familiar with that, and I don't really know where, you know, he couldn't ever tell me what passage said that. Um, but he said that that was one of the main reasons that, you know, that they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah because he, you know, that he's already, you know, that they, they believe the Messiah hasn't come yet. And so I guess I got confused there because it started to make me question, well, wait a minute, if it says in the Old Testament the Messiah can only come once or does only come once, you know, I mean, it kind of made me even question things. And then I started feeling really guilty because I wanted to know the answer to that. Yeah. Okay, well, well, first of all, let's talk about that. Um, I am not aware of any scripture in the Old Testament that says that the Messiah will only come once. And it's really okay. important to differentiate between the two things that Jesus did in his first coming and what he intends to do in his second coming. So essentially, in his uh, first coming, Jesus was establishing, he was making a way of salvation. And uh, if you look at the... Old Testament, I was just mentioning in my intro there as I was doing these devotional thoughts about how uh, the law of Moses points to Jesus. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the law of Moses that um, is unfulfilled unless Jesus comes and dies, unless someone comes and dies. See, in the Old Testament, it doesn't actually allude to the fact that it's going to be the Messiah who's going to do that until you get to the prophets. But let's say with the law of Moses, for example, I'm, uh, I'm going to teach chapter 22 of Exodus this coming Sunday. And the whole thing is about restitution. In other words, if someone does something wrong, they have to make restitution for that. And then later on in chapters 23 and 24 of the law of Moses still, which is, you know, absolutely core to Jewish beliefs about humanity and uh, how we relate to God. The... Uh, the thing it says is that sacrifice has to be made to make restitution. And ultimately, so we have then it's introduced throughout the Bible that uh, especially, you know, in Isaiah and really culminating in Isaiah chapter 53, where it talks about the suffering servant and how this, this person is going to come and he's actually going to do what the sacrifices of the animals used to do to create uh, reparation and restitution and atonement for the sins of the world. So it's really important to understand that Jesus in his first coming, that was what it was about. He was giving us a glimpse of the kingdom which is to come. So he introduced the kingdom in the sense of saying, kind of like the best metaphor is actually one that the Bible uses. It's the dawn. So just as how at dawn, the light has broken the darkness, but yet the sun has not crested over the horizon fully, that in the same way Jesus has come and he's the kingdom of God has broken the darkness, 
And Jesus says, behold, the kingdom has come, but yet it has not come in fullness. So the sun has not yet, so to say, crested over the horizon and totally driven out the darkness. So all that to say, that's what the two comings are about. And I think that you can make a case from the Old Testament for both, king, for both comings of the Messiah. Because on the one hand, you have the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 who fulfills the requirements that are found, say, in the Law of Moses. And, and then you also have all these other prophecies also in Isaiah and books like uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah that talk about this coming kingdom of peace um, which will be ushered in by the Messiah. So I think if you, if you had the time to map it out and have that discussion with a Jewish person, you could absolutely make the case that clearly there are two views of the Messiah. The other thing to remember is that there are several Jewish groups who actually believed that there were two different messiahs. And the reason they believed that was because they had a really hard time reconciling the ideas of Isaiah chapter 53, where we read about the suffering servant. They had a really hard time reconciling that with the writings about um, the one who will come as a king and usher in this kingdom of peace and righteousness. Yeah. They said, how, yeah. how can that be at the same time? Right. So. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, you know, I just, I, I guess I've, I always get stuck because I don't really know what to say when it comes to that. And I guess just really quick, I don't want to take up your time, but I, I do have two-year-old twins, and, um, you know, I'm just... Um, I've come from a really, you know, I'm going through a really terrible divorce right now, and, um, you know, it was really abusive, and it was really, it was, it was really bad, um, and, but I, you know, I don't believe in divorce, because, you know, Christianity doesn't believe in divorce, and also, obviously, my husband, he's Jewish, and Judaism doesn't believe in divorce either, so we both thought that we would be married forever, um, so I guess I just ask, you know, if you guys could please just pray. You know, I'm, I'm a member of Calvary Aurora, but if you could just pray for my family, I'd so appreciate that. And we have, you know, twins that are two years old, and I do want to raise them, you know, knowing Judaism and knowing Christianity as well. And that's something that I'm that I'm trying really hard to do, and I, I do want to make sure that they, you know, it, it's been hard for me because Nathan is teaching them, you know, that, that no, Jesus is not the Messiah, that is not you know, that, part, that portion is not correct, but that's that's the main portion of my faith, you know what I mean? And so it's been yeah. hard for me, and I guess I really don't know how to approach that with my children, so I, I'm trying to, you know, teach them about Judaism and Christianity at the same time, you know, and obviously they're still little now, but the foundation starts now, you know, and I'm, I'm just trying to know how to do that correctly, I guess, and I need some yeah. help with that. Okay. Well, what I would tell you on that topic of raising your kids to know Judaism and Christianity, I mean, that's actually two things that kind of mesh together very well because the the basis of Christianity is Judaism. Jude, or Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism and all the promises of the Old Testament. And so you can definitely raise your children to know their Jewish culture in a way that does not at all conflict with Christianity, but actually kind of informs their Christianity. So I would encourage you to do that, but I would also just encourage you in what you already said, is that Jesus is such a non-negotiable part 
And I would really encourage you to raise your kids to know Jesus and to embrace him as the Messiah. Yes, definitely. Well, let me go ahead and pray for you. And uh, sorry to hear about your situation. I'm glad you're in a church like Calvary Aurora where where you can get uh, ministered to. And I know they have a lot of resources. And I would encourage you to look into those resources. So let's go ahead and pray for you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jessica. We we pray for her situation as uh, going through this divorce and, and the abuse that's taken place. Lord, we, we know that you do not approve of people hurting and abusing each other. And Lord, I pray for Jessica, whatever she's gone through, I pray that you would bring healing into her life. I pray for her kids. Lord, I pray that her kids would grow up appreciating their Jewish heritage, but also fully believing in the Messiah. I pray that you give Jessica a lot of wisdom in how to raise her children. And Lord, I pray that you'd surround her with godly people. Uh, and I pray that at, at Aurora, at Calvary Aurora, she would get connected to a lot of great resources and other people who can support her as she seeks to walk with you and raise her kids in the knowledge of you. So Lord, we pray blessing upon Jessica, everyone listening together saying amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you right. so much. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for the call. God bless okay, you. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got another caller on line two. Let's go ahead and take that call. This is James in Colorado Springs. Hi, James. You're on the air. Okay, thank you for your time. Uh, in Colorado Springs, I've noticed in libraries like the main library downtown, in old Colorado City, there's um, the Jehovah Witnesses are bringing in metal racks with their literature uh, right in front of the libraries. Uh, and um, what I'd like to know is how do you um, talk to these people, maybe give them scriptures that might diffuse their... Um, I think they have a lesser view of Jesus. Yes, you know, that's it's absolutely all Jehovah. right. But is there any scriptures you could give to, uh, so I can give to them or read it to them? Or yes, uh, absolutely. I've actually been dealing with uh, similar things here in Longmont, and have some people in our church who have been asking me similar questions. So, yeah, are you saying that they're putting these racks inside the library or outside the library? No, no, it's outside. It's just like an A-frame, a folding rack. I don't know what to describe, but it has their literature. They are on the sidewalks. There's usually two of them together. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, I like to ruffle their feathers to speak of. And, uh, you know, here's a scripture over here where... Um, um, that would more clearly explain. Sure. Uh, yeah. So well, there are there are several that I could point you to. Let me just uh, get my thoughts straight, and then I'll tell you. But you know, we have a similar thing here in Longmont. I mm -hmm. I often yeah, yeah. I often run at a lake near my house, and they will set up. You know, it's a, it's a very popular place for people to run and walk here uh -huh, in town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they'll set up their you know, A-frame signs. So I'm very familiar with what you're doing. And they're somewhat, you know, tricky about it because they'll come and say, you know, we're doing Bible study. They'll always talk about the Bible. And, you know, so people are inclined to step by, stop by, which, by the way, also tells me that there are a lot of people who are interested in knowing and studying the Bible. So um, I think that we as Christians should look at that and say, what can we do 
to also reach out to people and invite them to study the Bible in similar ways because certainly there's an audience for this. But uh, so as far as Bible verses, you know, there are several things. Uh, the biggest one really with Jehovah's Witnesses is the issue that they don't believe that Jesus is fully God. Okay. Uh, let's begin with a few things that are, let's put it this way, they're uncomfortable facts from the Bible for a Jehovah's Witness person to see. Uh, one of them is that, you know, they say that Jesus was created by God and that he is not God. One of the first places I like to go is uh, Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to turn there real quick in my Bible. So in Isaiah chapter 7, you have a prophecy about the Messiah who is to come. Okay. Actually, I'm going to go over to Isaiah chapter 9. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, again, still talking about this child who is going to be born, this Messiah who's going to come, who's the hope of the nations. It says, um, starting in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Now this is really interesting. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, so if all of those names are true, that means that the person we're dealing with here is, quote, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. But he's also a child, a son. So what this means is that Jesus, when he came, or the Messiah, let's put it that way, the Messiah who was to come, Isaiah is saying, is a male child, a person, a human being, who will at the same time be God himself, mighty God, the everlasting father. So it's saying that the child will be the father. Now this is a very uncomfortable verse for a Jehovah's Witness person to read because they have uh -huh. no good explanation for this. You know, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. I've also, I've also uh, looked in the Hebrews. I think it's in four, uh, chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 9 that there seems to be good uh, information about uh, Messiah and God and things like that. I've read some of those. But yeah, what you're absolutely. saying is good, too. Well, but, and I, there's a lot more out there. You know, there's a really good book. And I'm going to get you the title of it. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Jehovah's Witnesses. So Reasoning from the Scriptures with Jehovah's Witnesses. And I would recommend you pick that book up. It's 300 pages long, and it can give you a lot more than I can just give you over the air right now. Uh-huh, yeah. But uh, I appreciate you giving me that scripture there and talking about it, but um, maybe you'll hear you know, some other things in uh, Denver, what's happening there. So... Okay. Uh, keep those keep those scriptures coming out. Thank you. Yeah, I've got one more for you if you got time. Oh, 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 sure, certainly. I would point you to John chapter eight, and uh, there in John chapter. Are you still on? Yep. Uh, John eight. What? Oh, I'll have to look at it. It's at the end of John chapter eight, and so what? is happening there is that Jesus is talking to, yeah, starting in verse 48, so John 8, 48, all the way to the end. Here's okay. what happens, is Jesus is talking with these people 
And these people, they get on the topic of Abraham. And Jesus says this amazing phrase. He says, um, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, first of all, that's incorrect grammar. But the reason it's incorrect grammar is because Jesus was trying to make a point. That name, I am, refers all the way back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter uh-huh. 3 where God appears to Moses and Moses and he sends him, he says, go to the people of Israel and go to Pharaoh and tell him that I have sent you. And he says, well, what's your name? Because they're going to ask me, what's the name of your God? Who sent you? Who's this God you believe in? Because there were lots of gods at that time, at least for the other nations. And so he says, well, tell him that my name is, I am who I am. And actually that is where we get the word, Yehovah, which has also been incorrectly uh, transliterated as Jehovah. I mean, we know now that it's pro- most likely pronounced Yehovah, but it, it can also be Jehovah. So the the point is that, um, or I'm sorry, it's pronounced Yahweh, not Jehovah. But I mean, it, either way, the point is this, that name comes from the Hebrew for I am. So when God says, I am that I am, what does that mean? He means that he is the one who was, the one who is, he is the constant, and uh, he doesn't change. So what he's saying here is, uh, in verse 56 of chapter 8, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. In other words, Abraham was waiting for the Messiah, and Jesus saying, I am the Messiah, and he's here. And then he says, Abraham saw my day, and he was glad. What he's talking about is that he appeared to Abraham. And so the Jews said, how, how's that possible? You're not even 50 years old. How can you say that you've seen Abraham? And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So grammatically, he should didn't have said. Try, didn't they try and stone him then? Absolutely. And you know what? Stoning was the punishment. Absolutely. Oh, no. Hey, so there's I appreciate, no, I appreciate there's no question. Time, but uh, thank you for going over those. Okay. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we have a few open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. You're listening to Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady from Longmont, taking your calls and answering questions for you today on the air. Let's go ahead and go to line three, where we've got Bianca. Hi, Bianca. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I have a question about Exodus when um when it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart because I know it wasn't there a point where I mean where God guard God hardened Moses' heart at some point in some places where 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 Pharaoh himself hardened his heart so I mean does that mean that that for someone to have a hard heart their heart has to be already hardened to begin with or I mean how can that be um, yeah that's a that's a huge question that so many people have wondered about through the years and it's actually a question which Paul Paul the Apostle answers 
in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 9. So you're absolutely right. There are times when Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and there are times when it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so clearly, it's kind of the both-and thing. Who's responsible for that? Well, clearly Pharaoh is responsible for hardening his own heart. But did God also harden Pharaoh's heart in order to bring about his own glory in showing himself, revealing himself through the um, the ten plagues and showing his glory? Absolutely. So it's both and. Did Pharaoh harden his heart? Yes. Did God harden yes. Pharaoh's heart? Yes. Was it for God's glory? Yes. Was it Pharaoh's responsibility? Yes. I'm going to let you go because we're going to go to our break now. We'll be back in two minutes. Thanks yeah, a lot. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life the Bible and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here live on the air taking your calls and texts. We've got open lines right now, so I invite you to call in with your questions about the Bible, anything that's going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, call us and We'll talk about it online and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And the, you can also text us your questions at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. About myself, uh, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. So if there's any of you in the Longmont area, uh, love to have you come and check us out. We meet in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, just right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman in downtown Longmont. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. And if you would like to hear our teaching ministry, we have a radio program here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. Also, welcome to those of you listening here in Colorado on Grace FM, but also very exciting development. Uh, we're now broadcasting on the East Coast as well on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So welcome to the program, everyone listening. I would love to get a call from the East Coast. So if there's any of you guys out on the East Coast, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And so anybody who's uh, looking to call in, the number is 303-690-3000. Uh, I had began the first half of the show by talking about uh, the book of Exodus, studying through the book of Exodus right now at Whitefields. And one of the things that I've really come to appreciate is studying through the law. And it's actually been very interesting how in that first half of the show, we had a lot of the, actually all the questions that we had come in uh, actually related to the law of Moses uh, and the book of Exodus. But where I was going with that, what I wanted to share this kind of devotional thought was this that it's this idea that, uh, you know, God sets the people of Israel free, but then he gives them the law. And it can easily, you can easily look at that and say, well, what kind of freedom is that? I mean, what kind of freedom is it to say, I'm going to set you free, but now God starts telling us what to do. 
And the, the understanding I've come to is this, is that um, everyone serves something. And really the message of the book of Exodus, and, and you could even say the message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, is that everyone serves something. Everyone lives for something. Everyone's mastered by something. And unless you are mastered by God and God alone, you're not really free. Even though you might think you're free, you, you will always be a slave. You might be a slave to fear or a slave to what other people think about you, a slave to your career or a slave to expectations, either your own or other people's expectations. But until you can say that you serve and worship and are mastered by God and God alone, you'll never be free. I've got a, a scripture here that I'd like to read to you on that. Uh, in John chapter 8, there's this interesting interaction that Jesus has. He's speaking to a group of people, and here's what it says in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus is talking to this group of people, right? And he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, Well, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved by anyone. How is it that you say you will be free? And Jesus answers them and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the house forever, but a son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here's the scene. Jesus comes on and he says, I'm going to set you free. And they say, well, wait a second. We're already free. We don't need to be set free. And I think there's a lot of people in the world who would answer that same way. They would say, hey, Jesus has come to save you. Jesus has come to set you free. And their response would be, well, I, I'm pretty free and saved right now. Like, I don't really need it, but thanks, but no thanks. Like, I don't really have any need for that. And Jesus says, but you're not really free, even though you think you are. He says, I promise you, you're a slave to something. Maybe you're a slave to your pride or a slave to success, a slave to the American dream or a slave to lust and desires. You're a slave to what other people think about you. All of those things are masters over your life, which if you let them rule your life, they'll absolutely crush you and make you their slave. But then Jesus comes on and he says, I have brought you the truth and I brought you myself, the embodiment of truth to set you free from all those things. And it's a really interesting thing because then after that, uh, we read later on in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 15, Jesus is having his final meal with his disciples. And he says to them this amazing phrase. Remember, for a long time, I would, if you would have asked me, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? I would have told you this one. It's John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that's, than that someone would give his life for his friends. And then after that, Jesus says, and I no longer call you my servants or my slaves, but I now call you my friends. This is very interesting interaction where Jesus says, I've, I'm, I've come to set you free, but as I set you free, now you will serve me, but I'm setting you free even from that, and I would call you my friends. And then he even goes beyond that. And we'll get to that last thought I have on that topic of setting free and calling friends right after this, but we've got all full lines, so let's go ahead and take some calls. Let's go ahead and go to uh, line one, Jesse in Commerce City. Hi, Jesse. You're live on the air. Hi. How's it going? Great. Good, good. So I want to give an update. A couple of weeks ago, I called and uh, asked for a prayer request for my son, Miguel, that was uh, he had run away. Mm -hmm. um, he's back home now within, like, I guess, a couple of days from the prayer request. That's great. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I thank everybody for that. And uh, before he came back home... <laughs> My dad had to go into the ER and uh, 
we found out he had uh, colon cancer. Oh. So then, yeah, so then today, uh, through one of my sisters, I found out that he has stage four cancer now. Okay. So I would like another prayer prayer request, you know, to keep us, keep him strong to go through this uh, chemo, um, Mm -hmm. give him the strength to keep fighting, to keep going. He still has us. He's still really young. Um, He's in his early 50s, and, you know, he has his grandkids and all of us still around. What's his name? Do you mind me asking? Uh, His name is Jesse as well. Jesse. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and pray for him. I mean, one of the things I love about this show is that we have, you know, thousands of people listening right now, and together we can all pray in agreement and ask God to answer this prayer. So let's go ahead and do that. Heavenly Father, we lift up Jesse to you. Uh, First of all, I want to say thank you, Lord, for this runaway son who's come back home. But we know that you, you even draw a parallel between runaway sons and us uh, as sinners who come back to you, our Father. And we thank you for this wonderful news that as we prayed, as the community here of Christians in Colorado was praying for this son to come back home, that he's back home. Lord, I pray for this son that he would be fully confident of the fact that he is loved and accepted by his family. And I pray that he would know the true salvation and love of God, the love of Jesus, and that he would truly be converted and that he would have real faith. Lord, I also want to pray for Jesse, the father who has cancer right now. Lord, we ask for you to strengthen his body. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would heal him. We know that you are God who created us. You're in control over every part of our bodies and you're almighty. So God, we ask that you would work healing power in his life and set wrong things right. You didn't make us to have cancer. And so, Lord, we ask that you would take that away in Jesus' name. We pray that you'd be with the family and strengthen them, give them hope, and give them confidence in your will and in your providence and in your goodness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Okay, take care. Um, Bye-bye. All right, this is Calvary Live. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us your questions at 720-336-0897. This is the program where we take your calls and answer Bible questions and prayer requests live on the air. Uh, If you would like to do that, those are the numbers to call, and we have one open line right now. But for now, let's go to line two. We've got Nick in Golden. Hi, Nick. You're on the air. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, just wanted to uh, kind of had a question and a prayer request together. Um, my uh, local church here in Golden, I've been uh, leading worship here for about two years. I've got the opportunity now to um, step up into the guy who was doing kind of our assistant pastor role has uh, been called out, called to another church. And um, I presented with the opportunity to kind of step mm-hmm. into that role, praying through it right now. So just kind of wanted to see what the the steps were for, for the Lord to kind of confirm the call to ministry in your life and um, just prayer that, that, you know, I would, I would kind of see what that, that confirmation would look like in my own life and make sure that this is the right timing for it as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the story with me personally, I started in ministry in Hungary. And so 
I moved to Hungary when I was 18 years old, and I moved over there just to help and assist. And really, that was my whole heart. Was I became just really convinced that there was a, a necessity for the people in the body of Christ to serve each other, and uh, and mm-hmm. especially to serve the weaker parts of the body of Christ. And so, I I really didn't have any skills or anything. I just wanted to help out. And as I was serving in this church. Uh, just really helping and, you know, filling in, sometimes teaching Bible studies and things like that. Uh, I really had a desire to teach, and I didn't know if I was going to be any good at it or not, but I just really felt over time that the Lord was kind of drawing my uh, desire in that direction, was to teach and to study. And... um, I remember I told somebody, we had an assistant pastor at that church, and he asked me one time, you know, where do you feel like God is calling you? Where do you feel that you're gifted? And I told him, I think God's calling me to to be a teacher and to be a pastor. And uh, I don't want to say he laughed at me, but he was surprised. In fact, I was surprised. I, I was actually looking at one of my old, uh, I guess it would be high school yearbooks the other day. And in this yearbook, somebody had written something to me, and they kind of jokingly said that maybe someday you'll be a pastor. Now, at the time, I wasn't even a Christian. And uh, I know that he meant it as a joke, but then I looked at that, and I'm like, wow, that was the farthest thing from my mind at the time. There's There's a sense in which I think that God is looking for people who have humility to be leaders. That is one of the great requirements, is to have a a humility Absolutely. and a, a reverence for God. And so I think that, well, I'll put it this way. When I handed over my ministry in Hungary five years ago, I handed it over to a guy. And when I first talked to him about becoming the pastor, his response was like, no way. How could I ever be a pastor? That's such a huge responsibility. And I'm not sure I want to do that. And for me, that was like the confirmation that I needed that he was the right guy. Because I think there should be some fear and trepidation that goes into ministry and teaching others. And you know that that's what the word says, that those who who serve in teaching, elders who serve in teaching are, are, first of all, they're worthy of double honor, but they're also going to be judged more harshly. Mm -hmm. So uh, there should definitely be some fear and trepidation. There should be a sense of humility. There should be a sense of... Also, that it's a humongous privilege to get to serve God, either in a an official role or even in a volunteer role. Sure. So that that's kind of my few you know thoughts on it, and kind of a little bit of my history in it. You know, I would encourage you to pray about it and and ask God to just tell you if the answer should be no. And if you don't feel like it's a no, if you feel like you have a green light from God and, and in your own heart it's something you desire to do, I would encourage you to do it. Okay. Especially if okay. the others in the church have looked at you and said, you know, this is a faithful man, this is a man of character, this is a person who we'd like to have be a representative of our church and be someone who we would like to endorse for ministry. I think that's awesome. And uh, unless, you pr- unless you pray about it and God says, no way, don't do it, then I think you got a green light, man. Okay. Well, let me, let me pray for you. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we pray for Nick 
here in Golden and this great opportunity to serve you as an assistant pastor in his church. We just ask that you would lead him, that you would guide him, that you would give him that answer. Lord, if this is not the right time, if this is not the right ministry, we pray that you would make that clear and that he would know this is not where you're leading him and he shouldn't do it. But Lord, I pray that if it is, that you give him just a huge confidence. You fill his heart with humility and honor the fact that he would be so privileged as to serve you and your people. So God, we pray that you'd bless him and bless this ministry that he's a part of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless you, Nick. You too. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. I'm here on the air today taking your calls and answering your texts. The number to call in is 303-690-3000. We have one open line right now, and the number to text is 720-336-0897. Go ahead and go to line three. We've got Dale and Greeley. Hi, Dale. Can you hear me? All right, maybe Dale's not there anymore. Let's go ahead and go over to line one. We've got Liz in Denver. Hi, Liz. Hi, You're live on the air. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Um, quick question. Um, so I've, you know, rededicated my life to the Lord and, like, just have a hunger for Him and to learn more and just literally have fully surrendered and told Him, you know, Whatever you want, Lord, it's your will. I'm here to serve you, your faithful servant, whatever you, your will is, Lord. Um, now, I know for a fact that uh, it could be whatever. Literally, he could send me, like you said, he could send me to Hungary or wherever. Hungary is not that bad. <laughs> is it wrong to have a sense of fear? And I, I don't know if fear is the right word, but... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, there is one Bible verse where it says that you should be afraid. And that is that it says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. And what that speaks of is people who refuse to submit their lives to God or who go on intentionally sinning after having received grace. But as for as for a person who's wanting to follow God, let me just read you two verses that come to my mind immediately. In Second Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, spirit of fear but, but of one love, of power, power and, a and love mind. and a sound mind. Okay, and here's, here's the other and, one that really speaks to me. Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 15, we'll start in verse 14. He says that Jesus came so that through his death he might break the power of, of Satan, the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Uh, now that speaks of the fear of death, but I would just say this, that Jesus came to set us free from fear. Mm -hmm. okay. And and you know what? If God sends you to, well, if he sends you to Hungary, you'll probably have a great time because it's a pretty great place. But if he <laughs> sends you, let's say he sends you somewhere that's not as nice. And uh, I don't want to offend anybody here on the air, so I won't, I won't give you any examples. But uh, let's just put it this way. If God sends you someplace that's not very nice, you know what? There's going to be blessing there. And the best thing you could do is follow him there. 
I, I think about the book of Exodus again, you know, because that's what I'm teaching. It's really interesting. God leads them through the Red Sea and then mm-hmm. they, they're on the other side of the Red Sea, right? And they're like super excited and they're jumping around and they're singing songs and playing tambourines. And then what happens, they, they look around and they realize, wait a second, we're in the middle of the desert. We've got 2 million people. We've got children, elderly people, and we got no water and we have no food. What are we going to do? And then God leads them through the wilderness. And then even in the book of Numbers, God leads them through the wilderness for 38, 39 years. And while they're in the wilderness, there's this very interesting verse in the book of Deuteronomy. Which, you know, Deuteronomy comes, it's Moses' speech that he gives right before they enter into the promised land. And he says, for all these years in the wilderness, your feet never swole up and you always had what you needed. In other words, the desert's a really inhospitable yeah. place. Yeah. No one would say, if someone would say to them, God's going to lead you guys in the desert for 38 years. They would have said, that sounds terrible. Yeah. But then God did it. And then in the end, he was able to say, you never lacked anything. I took care of you. And though you probably would have been afraid of that on the outset, now looking back on it, you can say, wow, we experienced not only God's provision in the wilderness, but we experienced God's presence in a way that honestly, they never would ever again in their in their life as a nation. And so I would encourage you in that. If God leads you into the wilderness, there are blessings in the wilderness. His presence will be with you in the wilderness if that's where he leads you. Wherever he leads you. Deuteronomy, what was that? Oh, I don't remember that exact place where that's found. It's either in chapter 4 or chapter 8. I'm just uh, going off the top of my head right now. But it's in Deuteronomy. He says, your feet never swole and you never lacked anything the whole time you were in the wilderness. Okay. And that whole thing about feet swelling, feet swelling is something that happens when you're malnourished. So essentially yeah. saying, not only did you have enough, you actually had just enough. You had enough that you were never malnourished even. Yeah. Okay. So, that, right, well, that let helps. Me, I'm going to go home and read that. <laughs> let me pray for you. So, thank Lord, you. I pray for Liz and... I thank you, Lord, that she's devoted her life to you, that she has said to you, Lord, you've called me a friend, Jesus, but I want to serve you. I want to be your bond servant, the slave by choice, and I want to serve you all the days of my life. Lord, I pray that she would do that and that you give her so much confidence in your love for her that she would never fear what you would do in her life, that she would always know that your plans for her are always going to be for her good and for your glory. And that even if you lead her into the wilderness, you'll provide for her there and it will be a blessing. So I pray that she would follow you wherever you lead her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. Take care. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Well, we've got a few minutes left in the show. This is Calvary Live. This is the show where we're taking your calls and texts live on the air. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and uh, want to invite you to call in or text in with your questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. And you can also text us your questions at 720 336 
I'm going to go back to uh, the thought that I was sharing a couple times. Uh, I shared it at the beginning of the first half hour, and then I shared it in the beginning of the second half hour. And I said, I've got one last point that I wanted to make on that. My point was this, that I was speaking about the law of Moses and how God sets us free. But then it's interesting that after God sets the people of Israel free, that after that, he gives them the law. And it's easy to look at that and say, well, how is the law good? Uh, and how how isn't that kind of the antithesis of setting someone free? And we talked a little bit about what the law is and the fact that all of us are serving something and that the only way to be truly free, which is really the, the message of not only the book of Exodus, but the gospel itself, the only way to be truly free is to serve God and to be mastered by him, to have him be your master. But then there's this interesting phrase in, in, or interesting thing that Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, where he says, I no longer call you my servants or my slaves. He says, now I call you my friends because a servant doesn't know the master's business, but I have told you everything that the father has told to me. And I just want to say, it's a really interesting thing. I, I mentioned it to our last caller there that, uh, these people, what do they do with the freedom? These, these new Christians, these disciples of Jesus. Jesus says, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. It's a different kind of relationship. And what do they do with that freedom? When you go to Peter, who was there on that night, later on, Peter writes an epistle. And how does he begin his epistle? Does he begin with, by saying, Peter, remember me, the guy who walked on water? Or Peter, Jesus' favorite disciple. Maybe that wasn't true any, maybe. It seemed like he really liked John a lot. So, But Peter begins his letter by saying, Peter, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a bondservant. And you might look at that and say, wait a second, Peter, Jesus told you you're not his servant. Now you're his friend. But Peter says, no, I'm a bondservant. Later on, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he begins in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. How is he going to introduce himself? You know, Is he going to say, Paul, I used to be a terrorist who killed Christians. No, he says, my name's Paul, and I'm a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Later on, James and Jude, they both begin their letters by saying, James, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. Jude says, Jude, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. What's a bondservant? Well, that takes us back to Exodus chapter 21. A bondservant was essentially a slave by choice. And that's what it means essentially for these disciples of Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. You read there in Exodus chapter 21 that if a slave received his freedom, but he didn't want to go free, he said, you know, it's, these have been the best years of my life. Having you be my master, I want to stay with you forever. That he could say to his master, I want to stay with you forever. And so they would take an awl, like kind of like an ice pick, and they would take him over to the door of the house and they would, they would, um, put a hole through his ear and that would be the mark that he was a slave forever, a bond servant, one who had gotten his freedom, but had cho chosen to use that freedom to make himself a servant of Jesus. And so that's essentially what it means to be a Christian, that we've been granted our freedom. Jesus has told us, I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. But that's when we turn back and we say, no, I, I, you've been so good to me. I don't want anything else. What have I got to go back to? I don't want to go back to my old life. I can't think of anything I'd rather do than serve you all of my all the days of my life because that's the most fulfilling, most exciting, most satisfying thing I can possibly imagine. Well, we have uh, still 
uh, all lines open right now, and we've only got three minutes left in the show. So if you want to get in real quick, you probably could. The number is 303-690-3000. Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. You can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me every day, every weekday on Grace FM in Colorado at 2.30 p.m. And you can hear me on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Like if you're late to church, that's what I always tell people from our church. If you're late to church, that's when you'll hear me uh, live on the radio. So if you hear me, then you better speed up, but don't go ahead and um, don't go ahead and speed uh, so that you get caught or anything or break the law. Uh, we have a one. We'll take this final uh, text message that came in. Someone says, "Pray for me." I'm having uh, homosexual desires, and I don't want to have them. Uh, I've been in that life for years, and I want out. So let's go ahead and uh, pray for this person, and then we'll close the show. Lord, we pray for this person who's called in or who texted in with this desire. Clearly, they're saying there's something inside of me that has this desire. I don't want it to be there, Um, but it seems that there's a force inside of me that is... uh, contrary to me. It's very similar, Lord, to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, where he said, I, I, the things that I do, I don't want to do. Who will save me from this? And, and Lord, your word inspired Paul the Apostle there to say, only Jesus. He says, thank God for Jesus Christ, my Savior. So, Lord, I pray for this person who texted in Lord, that you would take away these desires that they don't want to have, or that you would give them a clean heart, and Lord, that you would um, let them be holy and set apart for you in every way pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Longmont. It's been a pleasure taking your calls and texts today. God bless you. I hope to host again for you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.